You won't use this message because you're a cowardly, spineless piece of shit. You're a lying, lip-tarted bastard, Jesse Dollarmore, you fat fucking garbage piece of shit. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is... I Doubt It with Dollamore. Welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Episode 639 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined this evening by the talented, the lovely... The scholarly Brittany Page, everybody. I'm kind of disappointed in oh no in the listeners. We, oh, in the listeners. Yeah. Whew! For once, it's not me. Because we we got <laughs> new mics and we used them on the previous episode, and I thought that it would just be mind blowing. We, mind-blowing we for everyone. used we used them on like a like a baseball bat on a predator. <laughs> Did I phrase that incorrectly? No, it just came across funny to me. Okay, well, good. That's you know you have a unique style of comedy that sometimes I have to mm-hmm. think about what you're saying. It's a little too highbrow. Your highbrow comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we used new mics, That's and right. no one commented. So apparently, they're not that great. Yeah, they're, it's not a great improvement. No one cares. That's fine. What everyone should care about. <laughs> Is the fact that we have differing opinions, you and I. On a lot of things. On a lot of things. As I choke myself out. But we found a new one. It's like you took a baseball bat to my throat. We found a new (laughs) one the other day when I was talking about this cake that was served at a holiday lunch at my job that I recently quit. You You were trying to put your finger on what the distinct bringing you back to your childhood flavor was yes yes of which you were not a fan no 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 it was it was like a purple cake i don't know what it was but i tasted it and it reminded me of flintstone vitamins yeah yeah disgusting that'll that'll bring you back disgusting horrifying terrible and enter our disagreement yeah apparently you think they're delicious Come on, let's be let's be accurate in our language there, Donald fucking Trump. You told me that they were your favorite snack, that you carry them in your pocket everywhere you go, that <laughs> Bu- you have a tattoo busted. of Flintstone vitamins. That actually, you know what? <laughs> no, I'm not planning to get one, mm-hmm. but I guarantee goddamn tea, there's some goofball out there. With the Flintstones vitamin tattoo. I'm sure there is. Yeah. Do they still sell them, actually, or is this something that doesn't even exist anymore? I, I have no idea. How would I know that? Because it's your favorite snack. I we just take, talked about this. I don't take grown-up goddamn vitamins. Mm-hmm. You think I'm 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 secretly stashing Flintstones, little Barney Rubbles around the house? Yeah. Anyway, it was one of the worst parts of my childhood, and there were some terrible parts of my childhood. Um, That's saying something. But these these Flintstone vitamins would always be on the counter haunting me, and I had to take it before I left the house. And it it was just horrifying. I could hardly get through it. And what, 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 what specifically about them 
was so distasteful. I, the grainy. So the gritty texture of the them. The gritty, but combined with like the poison taste. It just, it's not, it's not a good so, situation. gritty first, then poison. It's the two of them combined. <laughs> the gritty poison together shouldn't, is. Shouldn't just poison be right up top. Right away, poison. I don't know. I mean, if if poison was smooth, it might be a little bit more fine. But because of the gritty, it's not good. Not good. <laughs> I, on the other hand, mm-hmm. it makes me question what kind of a welfare rat you were growing up. A welfare rat? Yeah, I was a welfare rat. I was a little, you know, white trash welfare kid. And, I don't. And I don't. We, I don't. No, 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 I no. don't like that phrasing. I don't like that phrasing. But okay. All right. Well, I was it. Okay. I can call it whatever the fuck I want. Sure. I was a little white trash welfare kid. Okay. Fact. Popeye sounding off. So, we couldn't even... My mom didn't buy Flintstone vitamins. Uh Uh-huh. It was... Like, if we went over to our aunt's house, Mm -hmm. she actually took care of her kids, Mm -hmm. and we would snack on them like candy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's gross. I don't know what to tell you. That's pretty gross. You seem very hung up on the welfare rat thing. Let's talk about it. Well, I just... I. You seem very bothered. I am bothered by it, and I don't like the phrasing, and I think it's particularly just because of... I don't know. I understand that if you're making a joke about yourself and you want to kind of call yourself that, but I don't want that to then be extrapolated and put on other people. Yeah, I see that. So, I, I think when, that's... When I say it, when I say it, it's meant like... I'm trying to paint a picture in people's minds. Mm-hmm. And I was the shaggy-haired, and not for that's the style. I was shaggy-haired because they just never cut my goddamn hair. Mm-hmm. Ratty clothes. You know, a little what you would think. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're, you're right. I, I shouldn't be a, a, a dick face about it. Yeah, and I understand. Some people actually have written in and, and taken issue with the fact that we even use the phrase white trash to refer to uh, our childhoods, which I don't necessarily take as much issue with. But for some reason, rat was really a problem for me. (laughs) But you say what you want to say. You're right. I probably shouldn't. Okay. (laughs) Oh, wow. He is sounding off. (laughs) Someone must have knocked at the door. Hey, Popeye. Calm down, guy. We're just going to continue with the show. That's a little treat. So it's going to be one of those shows then. A little treat for everybody. Hey, choke him till he's not awake anymore. (laughs) Speaking of things that uh, everyone will get angry about. So anyway, I wasn't, uh, we weren't, uh, I was going to say fed. We weren't fed. We weren't given uh, Flintstone vitamins as a kid. So to me and my little brother, Mm -hmm. they were like, uh. It was the same kind of a treat as, like, when we went over to the same aunt's house and she had, like, baker's chocolate. Mm-hmm. Ew. Yeah, and we would eat it. Oh, God. Knowing it was bad, but still would go back for more because, hey, man, it's chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. It, it just, it brought back poor memories. And... So, so do you think it was part of the, uh, you were forced into it, like, oh, you're taking this, and then it's like, ah, I don't want to. No, they're just not good, so I don't, <laughs> it's just a fact, they're not good. You are remembering them as tasty treats because you never had them, and they were, like, something unique that you didn't have access to all the time, and so it made it seem, like, taboo, like, ooh, let's take some of these fancy Flintstone vitamins yeah. that so are never I'm roma- around. I'm romanticizing 
Flintstone vitamins. Yeah, only because of the absence. Now, now they got like gummies. All kind. Remember when you had the job or the tutor job? Uh huh. And the uh, they would bring you the like as a Christmas present. You got like a giant half gallon thing of like gummy vitamins. Yeah, I think that was because I had gotten sick a few times, and the parents <laughs> were like, "Can you stop getting sick? Because we need you to tutor our child." You know, real caring <laughs> parents would have provided you vaccines, mm-hmm. but instead it's just, you know, adult gummies. Well, whatever it takes. So <laughs> we, I wanted to read this email because I think that this could be a question that many other people have about the show. Speaking of me stepping on my dick and saying dumb things, is that what you mean? Uh, it's kind of what you mean. No, 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 no. Uh, this is from Bryce. And he says, hello, my name is Bryce. I'm 32 years old from Philadelphia. Love the podcast and show. Question, are all the episodes from one to now on your website or where can I listen to from the start? (laughs) Oh, well, they're not going to be available on iTunes because they only allow us to catalog like 50 or 100 or some arbitrary number. Mm hmm. But you can go to the website and mm-hmm. just type in, go to the bottom of the page. There should be a little search bar there. I'm not a web designer, so, you know, calm down if it's not to your liking, everybody. Mm-hmm. Not to Bryce specifically, although mm-hmm. this includes you, Bryce. And uh, we numbered our episodes 001, 002, all the way up through, you know, hopefully to 1,000. But it'll be, you know, that's how you'd search. Yeah. Is that numbering system. So listen, if you do this, Bryce, or if other people choose to do this, please be aware that we have been wrong about things before. <laughs> Me especially, for sure. And it it is very apparent that through doing this show, through having these conversations, by allowing ourselves to be changed by listeners and feedback and things like that, that we have grown exponentially. And in the beginning, the show was really something different than it is now. We had kind of gotten caught up in the atheist movement and the skeptic movement. And we thought we were going to be like taking on topics and like really breaking things down and related to religion and, and psychics and things like that. And it quickly turned around into more what it is now, talking about current events, the most important things that we're dealing with today, Yeah, which oftentimes don't involve psychics. That is right. Rarely do they involve psychics. (laughs) So just be aware of that when you go back and you listen to things that we say that are six years old, five years old. Yeah, almost six years old. Yeah, but it's also nice, right? Because you you do get to see that people can change, especially with new information and as new evidence comes in or as we start to understand existing evidence that had been there that we had just never seen. Things well, like that. Also, you know, I still very much highly prized and romanticized, using that word again, um, libertarianism that, you know, each man and woman for themselves. And I still valued the pick yourself up by your bootstraps kind of mentality. And it's through not only analyzing the actual data and prizing evidence on this show, but also some of the conversations we've had with not just listeners, but also actual scholars in these particular fields 
has absolutely changed my my outlook on things. Also, and I was actually thinking about this a couple days ago because it's been presented to me in YouTube questions and stuff so much is when when did you really kind of switch? And I think the seminal moment was Ferguson was Michael Brown. Hmm. And that was early on in the show mm-hmm. and watching how the media talked about it and watching how different sides of the issue talked about that case. And I'm not even talking about the specifics of the shooting of Michael Brown, just in the wake of that, how the protesters were labeled, mm-hmm. how our society dealt with that. And it really woke me the fuck up about race relations in this country mm-hmm. and got me to thinking about that, got me to reading a lot more. And um, it was a paradigm shift. I mean, talking about you're being unveiled. The scales fell from my eyes, if we're going to put it in biblical context. Yeah. So let's uh, read another email that fits with this because we had someone write to us, Angie, and talk about an issue that they had with how we talked about Christianity in the bonus episode 633 that was with the author Brian Knight. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you haven't listened to that bonus episode, we would recommend you check it out. So then you would have more context for the issues that are brought up in this email. But let's jump into it. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. I was listening to the podcast recently, and I heard the bonus episode you had with Jesse's childhood friend who became a writer. I liked his advice as I write myself. I am not professionally published, but have posted some of my work online. What I did not like was the discussion about Christianity. Specifically as a Christian, I started to feel attacked for my beliefs. Now, before I continue, I'll say I don't expect either of you to change your views. All I want is for there to be an honest discussion when religion is brought up. As it stands, you guys seem to point to the worst parts of Christianity and act like that's all it is. It's like someone outside of the U.S. pointing to a Trump supporter and acting like he represents all Americans. What I mean by that is that there seems to be this view that only bad things come from organized religion. This is not something unique to your show, I doubt it. It's just my latest encounter with it. I am aware of the misdeeds of many religious people and the failings of churches overall, but we tend to forget that a lot of good has been done by churches and religious people as well. My number one example on this is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who let his faith guide his actions. I read his letter from a Birmingham jail in which he talks about showing love to your enemies. That concept is a big part of Jesus's teachings. Also, the man he learned nonviolent protest from was also a religious person. Something I have tried to teach my son and what I wish was more openly discussed is the idea that the will of God and the will of man are two different things. Just because a man puts on robes or a suit and can quote the Bible doesn't mean he knows God's will. Wars and atrocities have been committed in the name of God, whose primary religious text says not to kill and love thy neighbor. While the Bible was being used to justify slavery, it was also used to fight it. Members of the KKK could lynch a man on Friday and make it to church on Sunday. These things are contradictory not because of the Bible itself, but because of the men reading it. I am also fully aware that there are some verses of the Bible that people take issue with. I am not a biblical scholar, so I cannot answer every criticism. I will say that a lot of Bible verses are brought up without any context, and without context, it is easy to misunderstand things. 
Also, I don't believe everything in the Bible is doctrine. I believe some things are just references to history and culture. I don't think we are expected to live the exact same way believers lived 2,000 years ago. Lastly, I wanted to acknowledge that your views were formed by your experience, and nothing I've said here should make you feel that I am discounting that life experience. I just want to point out that not everyone has had that experience, and Christianity has done some good in the world. My experience in Christianity has been largely positive, though I have encountered some negative parts. I am a college-educated Christian. I also consider myself to be progressive. People like me might be rare, but I doubt I'm the only one. Coming back to what I said at the start of this rambling email, I don't expect your views to change. I don't expect you to read this and decide that Christianity is great and we should get back into it. I just feel that the things I've mentioned should be taken into consideration before you suggest that all Christians are hateful, superstitious nutters who might be abusing their children. All that said, this is not something that would stop me from supporting you. As yet, I have made no move to cancel my membership to Jesse Dollimore on YouTube. <laughs> Thanks, Angie. Angie! We read that whole th- I I read that whole no, thing. No, we we read that. You did none of the work that it took for I, me to get through that. I, I'm working up a sweat over here. I'm sure. I'm sure. From reading that email. I'm just going to take a sip of my drink here. I think my Brittany Page impression is fucking on point. By the way, I just want to say that. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot there, Angie. One, I wouldn't want you to feel attacked, as you said, at all. That would not be my intention. Do I have criticisms for Christianity? Uh, yeah, a lot of them. Many, many. Based on, as you so eloquently put, my lived experiences Partially based on my lived experiences. But I think I, I think it's a little... And listen, I'm going to say some things here. I do not, and I'm not being a dick. I don't want you to feel attacked. But there are some plain truths that I think we can all come to agree on. That to say, what about the good things the church has done does not mitigate the terrible atrocities that have been committed by the church in modern times. We're not even talking about the murder and torture of other religions, Jews and Muslims and non-believers throughout history. We're talking about modern day. And this might be a little extreme, I admit. But how would that argument fly? If you met with the thousands, if you had a stadium full of people, thousands of people who had been raped and abused by Catholic clergy, how would that, that explanation go over or that, that question go over to them? Yeah, but what about all the good things the church has done? For me, it's, it's not a balancing act. Absolutely, without a doubt, hospitals are run by the church. Charities are run by the church. There are millions upon millions upon millions of gracious, decent, wonderful people who are Christians. And to address your, 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 your statement about what if other countries said, well, Donald Trump's your president, you're all a bunch of wackos. 
We're not talking about an earthly matter like politics here. We're talking about an all-knowing, all-powerful being that supposedly created the entire universe, seen and unseen. That, that authored or inspired a book so flawed that you can both justify slavery by it and also justify abolishing slavery by it. That's a problem for me. The other thing is tell me someone, not just you, Angie, but anyone, tell me what context, under what broad or specific context is it okay for a woman to be raped and then forced to marry her rapist. That is the law given to Moses by God. Eh, that seems to me to be a problem. I, I, I would think it would be a problem for everybody. So yeah, one, sometimes my angst about religion Christianity specifically, because that's what I know, it, it surely raises its ugly head. But, and then I'm going to end here, I know many, 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 countless, wonderful, loving Christian people. And I don't know how they navigate what's in their holy book with how they treat their fellow man. I don't know. But... I'm using this euphemistically, thank God they know how to do that. Because the Christianity I grew up in, gays are burning in hell because of the way they're born. That's the Christianity I'm familiar with. Because of the scriptures in the Bible, that if a man lay with another man, you take them to the gates of the city and you throw rocks at their fucking heads until they're dead. That's the Bible. Give me a context there. Give me a justification there. That's the Bible. So I feel like I should have led the response to this email. Um, you want to go ahead and drop the disclaimer for me, just as a kind of All right. cover for my ass, please? <laughs> the views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. Okay, Angie, do not go back and listen from the very beginning of the show. <laughs> because if this is if this is how you took the discussion in 633, you are not going to be happy with the beginning of the of the episode because things were much more hostile in the beginning and I was still going through my bitter my bitter atheist, I'm not a Christian anymore, but I'm pissed off. Absolutely, absolutely. Mode. And, you know, in Angie characterized it as you guys are like this because of your life experiences. And it, it kind of hints at that thing that people always say, like, oh, what happened to you yeah. to make you an atheist, right? And so I don't know what that line was getting at other than just, yeah, we we grew up in in different faith traditions and now we are no longer in those faith traditions. And I'm I'm very sorry if Angie got this impression, because it's certainly not one that we want to present. At the end of her email, she said, 
that she wants all of this to be taken into consideration before we suggest, quote, that all Christians are hateful, superstitious nutters who might be abusing their children. That was never said. It was never said. That is not a rational thing to say to us. Sorry, Angie, it's just not. We have had Christians on for bonus episodes. We helped launch a Christian podcast yeah, 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 of my former pastor who I love and am still close with today. So, and we would recommend that you check out that podcast, Angie. You might like it better. It's it- called Christianity <laughs> Without the Crap. Yeah. And listen, we have Christian listeners who I'm sure also have difficulty here with this because we have different beliefs on this issue. And we certainly don't want to come from a place of disrespect. But I do want to say, Angie, that for people that have been traumatized by their various religious traditions, whether it is being sexually assaulted or sexually harassed or uh, told that they are going to burn in hell or told that they are other and that they are sinful and that the way that they inherently are is not okay and being shunned from their families or even just being um, inflicted with pain from purity culture and being told that you need to cover your body because it it, it provokes men to do things to you. Um, whatever the religious trauma that has been inflicted on someone kind of along the lines of what you were saying, Jesse, I feel like that needs greater attention. And we can say, yes, look at all these positive things that have happened. That's great. When I talk to people who have had positive experiences, who have been saved by faith, that's so fantastic, right? Whatever you find that gives your life meaning and fulfillment and purpose, please do that. If it doesn't hurt other people, right? (laughs) But We need to acknowledge that these things have very much hurt people and they have been tools of oppression and that needs to be given greater attention. We can't just dismiss it and say it's hateful to talk about that. It's hateful to highlight the abuses and trauma that have occurred, that that is somehow hateful. It's not. It it seems to me that if and I'm not accusing you of this, Angie, I'm not. But it seems to me if someone says what about the good the church has done? And they try to use that as a smokescreen for the thousands of rapes. That seems, and I'm going to use a Christian word here, that seems sinful to me. To try to cover up for horrible crimes. And I don't think that's what's happening here. But no, I don't know. But, but I do. Too often it is, though. Yes. And I think the attempt there is, it's out of fear. Right. Because if you start encroaching on someone's beliefs, that starts threatening their identity. Right. How they define their personal identity. And they might start have to rethink, be rethinking that. Mm -hmm. And that starts to feel a little threatening. Right. And so they want to shut that down and say, no, listen, a lot of good has come out of that. And so we'll never take that away from anybody. Right. I'm thinking of multiple Christian listeners that we have right now. And we love each and every one of those people. And we would only want them to feel respected. And the same goes for Angie. But I certainly don't appreciate getting an email saying that we said that all Christians are this way. Yeah, that's nonsense. We, we don't believe that. That, 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 is a, that is a ridiculous assertion that I would never hold. I would never level a criticism that all 
we have to be careful of all Christians because they might be raping their kids. That, and, that's just, come on. Right. And we, we do get fired up, right? Jesse more than me. <laughs> but, <laughs> and it might sound that way, How right? How dare you, sir? It might start to sound that way when you start talking because of the emotionality and things like that. But it's 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 really not where the heart is at. But it might have been where the heart was at in the beginning. So that's well, why I told you, Angie, don't, look, don't go back. Now, let me say this. <laughs> If someone is is not going to stand for those who have been victimized by by people who have the cover of the church, who is? I'm not going to apologize for getting passionate about trying to stand up for kids and trying to point a finger at evil motherfuckers who are ruining lives and raping children carte blanche and getting away with it and being covered and moved from parish to parish by the fucking church. That's a problem, and I won't apologize for getting fired up about that. However... That is not an accusation that I'm leveling against people like Angie. She doesn't have anything to do with that. Now, Jesse, six, eight years ago, may have been a dick about it and let his passions run wild. Uh, Not today, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't have the bitterness that I once had. Mm -hmm. Which is why... Contrary to the way you may be receiving what I've just said over the course of the last several minutes. Well... I I don't feel the same way about Christianity that I once did. Well, that's what I was trying to get at. With just because there is still anger about injustices that occur within these organizations, that should not translate to bitterness or what happened to you to make you this way, right? No, it's it's being realistic. It's looking at the actual injustices that exist that are currently happening. Yeah. And it is feeling a natural human reaction to get angry, protect and draw some attention to so that people are are more aware and can make informed choices about whether or not they want to continue to be a part of these organizations yeah. that are complicit in these types of things. So I appreciate the email, and that's why we read the whole thing. It was long, (laughs) because this is an important conversation to have. And we certainly want listeners to check us, right? If they feel like we're getting a little out of hand, we're being a little hateful, right? If the disclaimer has to be played too many times. Yeah, if I'm saying, Jesse, can you play that again? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We want to hear that. And we certainly appreciate that Angie took the time to write that email to us. It was not rambling, by the way. Not at all. That's the other thing I wanted to correct. Not a rambling email. No. Got right to the point. Stayed with the point. Yeah. And by the way, let me say this. Your criticisms of me, Angie, I bet you are echoed by thousands of people out there. You're not the only one. There are lots of people who get aggravated at my mouth. Mm Mm-hmm. Probably even more who get aggravated at my face. You know what I mean? I mean, th- there's we have a drop for it. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the first time you've brought that out since we heard it? I don't know. <laughs> shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> yeah, so, w- yes, of course. So, but this is what we what we like about the show. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, This just in from Angie about Brittany. She's not a Christian! (laughs) (laughs) This is what we like about the show, though, because because we hope to foster an environment where... And it was kind of a veiled threat at the end, by the way, where she's like, as of yet, I haven't canceled the membership. Okay. Well, listen, if you don't feel comfortable giving me your money... Don't give me your money. Absolutely. That, that's terrible. I don't want you Absolutely. having some bad conscience right. about... about Supporting the devil, th- man. That asshole, yeah. yeah. So, Oh, getting ready to cash my, my credit card for Dollamore. For 
<laughs> okay. I'm using them all. All right. I feel bad at this point. Okay. It's all in We're good fun. Jokes. Yeah, it's all in good fun. It's all in good fun. And this is what we enjoy about the show. We hope to foster an environment where we can have these disagreements, where we can be jokey and playful and hash these things out. I mean, that's what we just talked about. How from episode one to whatever episode this is, we have changed our positions on many things. And on some of those things, we've just become more moderate. We didn't even change completely, right? Because when you are forced to enter into conversation with other people that disagree with you, that's what has to happen. Yeah. Right? I mean... Unless you're very right about everything, and then you never have to change. But well, I mean, that who is the how, hell's right about everything? That's how I go through life usually. But you know, yeah, I always speak for myself. <laughs> okay. So anyway, Angie, thank you for the voice or the, the email. We we really do appreciate it very much. I'm we not do. just. It's not just a, a canned line that gets said after every communication, mm-hmm. or it maybe has become that. But know that I genuinely appreciate the email and the the time that you spent. To, to check me a little bit. I, I'm fine with that. We we encourage that. We want that here on the show. And truthfully, I blame Brian. Of course, for it's all Brian of this. Knight's fault. Yeah, he really brought things down over here. It's fucking, that guy's banned from the show. Banned. In fact, if you're listening right now, Brian, and I know you are, turn it the fuck off. <laughs> banned from the show. <laughs> all right, next up, we got Grace from New York asking a less controversial question. Hello, Jesse and Brittany. This is Grace from Buffalo, New York. Love your show. Love you both. But I have to say, Jesse, you are the best part. I love your passion. I love your humor. Here's my question. You see what I mean about way less controversial? She just (laughs) speaks the truth. (laughs) Wow. Why is it that the candidates spend so much time trying to win Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina when literally they send like very few delegates. I mean, Iowa is what, 56, I think, New Hampshire, 33, South Carolina, 29. Um, I wonder why those states are so important for them to win. And has a nominee ever won when they didn't spend all their time in those little um, places? Looking forward to your answer. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. All right, Grace. Well, listen, because uh, I'm not a preparer, I didn't research if anyone has won. Certainly candidates have won who didn't win Ohio, uh, Iowa or who didn't win New Hampshire uh, or didn't maybe win uh, South Carolina. I don't know the history of of all three, losing all three and then going on. I, I don't know. But the reason the candidates spend so much goddamn time in these three particular states is because they're the early primary states. It's just, it's logistics. Campaigns want to build a momentum. So if you win in Iowa, then usually you go on and you do well in New Hampshire and then South Carolina. And it's just a matter of mechanics of the campaign, building momentum. Now, listen, there is valid criticism right now, and there has been for years, about the fact that not so much with South Carolina, but Iowa and New Hampshire are fucking lily white. And it, it really does mold the way that the, that the, the race goes mm. because of Iowa and New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. 
there's probably more black people living on our block than there lives in Iowa. And I'm being facetious, obviously not. But they are very demographically limited, those two states. And it is a problem. The Democratic Party, the Republican Party, they need to do something to diversify the primary and caucus process so it's not geared to such a white audience up front. Because it does shape and help mold what happens to the race ongoing. Anyway, I hope that answers the question sufficiently. Grace, we appreciate it very much. If you too, and we encourage you to do so, if you would like to sound off, email the show, call the show, leave us a voice memo. You can do it at 657-464-7609 or email a voice memo or regular old email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We would like to thank each and every one of our beautiful supporters on Patreon, in addition to each and every one of our beautiful supporters who listen to the show. We got tagged in a few stories of people sharing their Spotify 2019 year-end wrap-up of the things that they were listening to on Spotify, and it was very nice to see the I Doubt It With Dollamore podcast listeners that that choose to go through Spotify. I was shocked at at what kind of the following we have on Spotify. We've only been there a a few short months and like 16,000, maybe it's 14, but like 15,000 people follow us just on Spotify. That's nice. Goddamn nutty. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm very shocked by that and very humbled. And thank you guys. Yeah, that's great. So thank you for all of your support, whether it be just from listening to the show or supporting us on Patreon, PayPal, buying merch on Teespring through dollamore.info. Info. Dollamore.info. Yeah. And rating and reviewing the show. On Apple Podcasts. Thank Very you. Very important. Profanity free. Because I know, like I just said, like 15,000, 16,000 people follow us on Spotify. And we only have like 400 reviews on Apple Podcasts. That's something's not adding up. You either, it's thousands of people reviewing and rating and cursing in their reviews, which they don't allow, or, and then they get hidden, or, you know, just people don't care. Yeah, I I also I want to give a shout out to Liz because Liz gifted me with a Spotify subscription years ago. Yes, through her her family account or whatever it is. And it has been the greatest gift. I listen to Spotify all the time. I love the year end wrap up that shows me what I've been listening to all year and I'm going to see if I can make my 2019 playlist public. You're like your most listened to songs? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's some good stuff on there. <laughs> Bananarama, yeah, everybody. Make, it, make everybody be able to make them do it. Make it available <laughs> for them to, to listen to all the shit you've been listening to the most this year. Yeah. Yeah. And get some constructive criticism oh, on my choices. Right? Good times. All right. Anyway, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, it is a a privilege. It's an honor to have the platform we have. And we only have it 
because of you. Dalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So last time on the show, we talked about Joe Biden at an event in Iowa, early caucus state. And he uh, he challenged a fella to a push-up contest or a, a race or a handsome man contest in a, in a I guess they push-ups. IQ test, did IQ you say that? IQ test, that mm-hmm. was the other one. Mm-hmm. He didn't do the handsome man thing. I thought I'd throw that in there. He might as well have done that. <laughs> right. Very Donald Trump-esque Joe Biden was. Yes. Well, he sat down with a reporter from Axios, I believe yesterday, maybe even today, and he was asked with a reporter about the Hunter Biden Burisma issue. On your son, Hunter Biden, uh, President Trump says, Sweepy Joe has real problems. Reminds me of Crooked Hillary and her 33,000 deleted emails. A lot of the Ukraine charges about you have been debunked and were unfair. There's one thing that a lot of Democrats even do wonder about. And that is Hunter Biden, your son, was getting paid a lot of money to serve on the board of a Ukrainian energy company facing serious corruption charges. You were the vice president running point on Ukraine. The average Joe hears that and says, that sounds fishy. What's your understanding of what your son was doing for an extraordinary amount of money? I don't know what he was doing. I know he was on the board. I found out he was on the board after he was on the board. And that was it. And there's nobody. Well, you've had a lot of time. Isn't this something you want to get to the bottom of? No, because I trust my son. But that doesn't pass the smell test. Like when you're vice president, isn't there a higher standard? Don't you need to know what's happening with your family? Don't you need to put down some guardrails? Unless there was something that was, uh, there was something on its face that was wrong. There's nothing on its face that was wrong. So look, if you want to talk about problems, you know, let's talk about Trump's family. I mean, come on. This is... So, <laughs> These so, guys are amazing. So you think that everything that happened was kosher? You know there's not one single bit of evidence, not one little tiny bit, to suggest anything done was wrong. You know that. But you keep asking me these questions. It's okay. He, you, know, you're, you're, you know, you're doing what you have to do. But I'm not worried about it. Look, the American public knows me. Last one on this. Uh, say you're elected, you're in office. What guardrails would you have to be sure that your son, your brother Jimmy, doesn't uh, do anything to trade on the family name? They will not be engaged in any foreign business because of what's happened in this administration. How about domestic No one's going to be seeking patents for things from China. No one's going to be engaged in that kind of thing. So no foreign business for your Correct. relatives in office. How about domestic business, Joe? How dismissive was that? Yeah, I also, so I I don't want to not talk about what we just listened to, but I also want to tack on there an interview with NPR. So this is a transcript, so I'm going to be reading from the transcript. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Please. So this is the reporter. About what happened the other day at your town hall, because you've got a lot of you've got a lot of attention for it. A man stood up and started throwing false accusations your way about your son, Hunter Biden, and his work in Ukraine and your work as vice president then in Ukraine. And you responded by calling him a damn liar. Joe Biden says because he lied. 
The reporter says, and then you challenged him to do push-ups. Joe Biden says, I was joking with him because he, reporter says, and then you asked him for an IQ test. Joe Biden says, he came along. What was he saying? He said he's entitled to do this. He said, you're too old. He said, you're too old. I can't vote for somebody as old as you. I said, okay. And he was challenging me what kind of shape. And so I kidded. I said, want to do a push-up contest. I was joking. Look, I'm in pretty good shape. Well, one, he wasn't joking. We saw his fucking face when he said it. This is a Trump answer. It has the Trump cadence. This is bullshit. Also, look, I'm in pretty good shape. Yeah. What? Come on, man. <laughs> what are we doing here? So listen, here, here's my issue with the Axios answer. One, it does not te- uh, pass the smell test. No fucking way that all of this has gone on. That Donald Trump is in the midst of impeachment inquiry. And his his son's name, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, said hundreds of thousands of times. And he doesn't have a, a Thanksgiving conversation with him. Hey, Hunter, um, what did happen with that? What was your role? Because you know I'm going to be asked about this by the press. And I just want to have my head wrapped around it. It doesn't make fucking sense that he would not ask. I don't fucking believe it. I believe Joe Biden is lying when he says that. Further, are we to believe he didn't know back then even? Come on. It just, it is nonsense. Well, these two interviews together show a pattern of how he's engaging with the press. And we're actually going to be talking about Pete Buttigieg here in a minute. And he's developing a similar pattern of interacting with the press. And let me just talk about another part of this NPR article. So Biden is actually blaming his staff for not flagging conflict concerns about Hunter Biden's Burisma post. Quote, nobody warned me about a potential conflict of interest. Right. They should have told me. Oh, you mean you didn't know that there was a conflict of interest because you you didn't know your son was on the board? Because it doesn't take a fucking genius. It doesn't take, take a deputy secretary of state like George Kent to tell you that it is a conflict of interest... For you to have Ukraine in your portfolio and also have your son be on the board of a oft-investigated company like Burisma. Even if the prosecutor general of Ukraine is a corrupt motherfucker, it still is going to butt up against what your job is as vice president of these United States. With Ukraine in your portfolio. So continuing in the interview, though, the reporter says George Kent, the State Department official, testified that he raised it to you and your staff. Joe Biden says, no, he didn't say me. He did not say me. That's true. And the reporter corrected and said to your staff, to your staff, I stand corrected. Joe Biden says, I never, never heard that once at all. And I'm too dim to know off the top of my head as a lifelong public servant and super smart guy who challenges guys to IQ tests. I didn't know that it was a conflict of interest. You know, being a smart thinking lawyer, adult, get the fuck out of here. It doesn't make sense. The other thing is for him, this, this use of words where he says, there is no evidence of that. Well, if I kill somebody or run them over with my car and clean up the crime scene, and then I continue when asked, did you kill them? There is no evidence that I killed them. 
That's not an answer. The answer is, did you do it? Yes or no. There's no evidence is not an answer to the question that's being asked. That's a problem. Yeah, so people will will listen to this conversation and in some ways rightfully say the media is putting a lot of attention on this Hunter Biden issue, talking about it a lot, maybe in a disproportionate way. And I, I, I would agree with that. That is possible for sure. Yeah, that's why I said that if you're listening to this thinking that, I don't think that is wrong. At the same time... I'm just a little... Wait, wait, wait. Two things can be true at the same time? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what? I'm just a little concerned that the way Joe Biden is handling the questions, and not just even about Hunter Biden, but also about challenging someone to push-ups, challenging them to an IQ test. Yeah. I'm a little concerned that the bar has been lowered. We've had five years of this be- with Trump. Because of Donald Trump, right? Yeah. Where we don't even have press conferences anymore. The relationship between the most powerful individuals in the government and the press have completely just faded away. Imagine, think about this. Think about past ca- campaigns for president of the United States. Think about a time where the leading candidate for president prior to Trump called a voter at a town hall a liar. (laughs) What the fuck? That's not something that happens. Yeah. Only post-Trump could that be something that happens. Yeah. That would derail any other campaign. I'm sorry. Yeah. And so I, I just, I want to caution right, Democrats, into not continuing this pattern of how political individuals interact with the press. Because the press's job is to hold people in power accountable. And they have a very important role. And that role needs to be protected. And I'm just, I'm fearful for how the bar has been lowered and how it may continue to be lowered because of Donald Trump. And I hope that after Donald Trump, we can come back to neutral. <laughs> yeah. I'm very hopeful for that. But I also want to talk about Pete Buttigieg. Well, hang on. Before we do, let me let me say this about the press. Okay. And then we can put a button on this. Okay. It is not just him lying to a reporter or being disrespectful to a reporter or misleading a reporter. The press is there to hold power to account, to answer Questions that are in the public interest. That reporter is standing in there in lieu of the American people. So when he's disrespectful to the reporter by being dismissive and laughing at his questions and being an asshole, he's doing that to the American people. That's why it's such a problem when Donald Trump does it. It's not a problem because Donald Trump does it. It's a problem that it's done altogether, whether it's Joe Biden or Donald fucking Trump. So if you're a Democrat out there and you're applying a separate standard for a Joe Biden than you do a Donald Trump, that's a problem. And the same goes for Mayor Pete. Yeah, and he was asked at a gaggle some questions about his transparency with his fundraising and donors. Mayor, earlier today you said you were 
we're open to having a conversation about opening your fundraisers. And that's a question that reporters have been asking for months now. So I'm wondering, when do you expect to be to actually have that conversation and give like an answer on that? Uh, again, I don't have a timeline for you. Well, as, as the candidate, can't you just direct your campaign to open those fundraisers? What's it? As the candidate, can't you just direct your campaign to open those fundraisers? Yes. And why haven't you done so? What's that? Why haven't you done so? There are a lot of considerations, and I'm thinking about it. Last question. Can you give us an example of those considerations? No. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night, Thanks. That is fucking outrageous. <laughs> Is there a timeline where you're going to open up your, your, your fundraisers? Ultimately letting the press know who your donors are. Big donors. We're not talking about the $27 individual campaign donations. We're talking about fundraisers. People who make $10,000, $20,000 major donations to the campaign through PACs or whatever. We're not talking about the $2,700 limit that the FEC has in place. So do you have a timeline on that? Nope, I don't. Well, as the um, as the, the the candidate, can't you just tell your staff? Yeah, I can. Well, are you going to do that? Well, you know, there's some some certain circumstances. You know, we're reviewing blah blah blah. Well, when are you going to review that? Well, you know what? Fuck you. Ultimately, is what he says. Yeah, and even it sounded smug. Very, very smug. Yeah, and he was he was smiling while he was saying it, and he's just standing there like, I'm a wall, you're not getting through it, and that's that. It's only 39 seconds, I'm going to play it again. Open to having a conversation about opening your fundraisers, and that's a question that reporters have been asking for months now. So I'm wondering, when do you expect to be to actually have that conversation and give like an answer on that? Uh, again, I don't have a timeline for you. Don't have a timeline. Oh, sorry. Here to answer questions. By the way, this is when this is the end of a of a lengthy press conference, far longer than 40 seconds. I'll tell you. And one more question, and she's like, okay, one more question. It's like, oh, shit, he's getting in over his head. This is a problem. We're having to tell the truth now. This might be okay for the Republican Party. This might be okay for Donald Trump. But is it okay for the Democratic Party? Is this okay for your Democratic Party? As the, as the candidate, can't you just direct your campaign to open this What's it? As the candidate, can't you just direct your campaign to open this Yes. And why haven't you done so? What's that? Why haven't you done so? There are a lot of considerations, and I'm thinking about it. Last question. Can you give us an example of those considerations? No. So a lot of this is surrounding... It's offensive. This is fucking offensive. Some of this scrutiny about transparency is related to questions about the three years that he spent with international consulting firm McKinsey & Co. Buttigieg is saying that he's taking steps to provide transparency, but he's not revealing the clients he's legally bound to keep confidential. That's what he's saying. Mm -hmm. Now, the new questions about his role there include some time that he spent working in wartime Iraq and Afghanistan. And there has obviously been some criticism because of, of the rise in the Democratic field. So there's new pressure on him to be more transparent about his past and also the current fundraising activities. Yeah, listen, you want to be president of the United States... Who's not Donald Trump, who promised, promised, promised to release his, his, his tax returns and didn't. 
who promised, promised, promised he was going to self-fund his campaign and didn't. Who promised, promised, promised once he got into office he was going to ban lobbying and he didn't. Who doesn't release uh, visitor logs for the White House? All of these things. If you're going to be a president who's not that, what kind of president are you going to be? Pete Buttigieg. Seems to me that you want to be the other kind. The kind we already have. Because transparency in government is key to a healthy, vibrant democracy. And by answering questions with, yeah, no, we got some considerations to make. What are those considerations? Yeah, I'm not going to tell you. That's a problem. Also, Elizabeth Warren, who has been reluctant to call out people in the field by name. There hasn't really been a lot of that, right? Yeah. That you've seen from anybody, really. Min minor acrimony. Yeah. There's yeah. been some, but it's been minor. She's actually directly calling for him to be more transparent. Quote, the mayor should be releasing who's on his finance committee, who are his bundlers, who are raising big money for him, who he's given titles to and made promises to, and he should open up the doors so that the press can follow the promises that he's making in these big dollar fundraisers. Yeah. And then in 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 in, in uh, response to that, he's like, oh, yeah, what about all the money you made when you were a Republican lawyer mm -hmm. 30, 40 years ago or whatever the fuck it was? It's like. That's that is a that is that is jingling of shiny keys. That is doing what Donald Trump does. Fucking stop it. Yeah, it's also so this is a story that's making the rounds right now, starting with the Washington Post. Other outlets are now picking it up. Elizabeth Warren made about two million for legal work over three decades. Now, the Washington Post left out the fact <laughs> in the headline that this two million dollars was over three decades. Yeah. But it is prominently featured in the Wall Street Journal headline, which is interesting. This is what's weird about this, okay? And if you go to elizabethwarren.com slash... By the way, that's 66 grand a year. Yeah. So elizabethwarren.com slash legal dash work. They have actually... The campaign has disclosed a list with descriptions of her legal work. Mm -hmm. So you can go look at it. Right. Yeah, corporate lawyers make a lot of money. That's not a fucking surprise. Yeah. And here's the deal. Even if it's distasteful for you, there's transparency there. You can go see what the fuck it was. You don't get, ah, yeah, I don't have to tell you. Nope. Oh, well, last question. Oh, sorry, guys. Gotta go. Yoink. And this is what I'm talking about. We need to be suspicious. We need to be on alert. We can't say... Oh, because Donald Trump behaves like this. This is acceptable behavior because we just have to like take what we get now because this is the standard. Yeah. No, we can't let it be the standard and we need to hold people accountable. Are we better than them or not? Do we have higher standards than the Republicans or not? Especially someone who's asking for your vote, right? I'm just kind of continuing my sentence. Yeah, sorry. And <laughs> you, we need to be able to ask those questions and and get answers to them. Yes. Without feeling as though we're getting a smug response and someone not taking concerns seriously. And remember, when a candidate is disrespectful to the media, they're being disrespectful to you. That's just the way it is.
The media, the press, journalists are the only occupation protected by the Constitution of the United States. The only one. That matters. That means something. And to obfuscate and to laugh at them, to be dismissive, that's a fucking problem. That's a problem for Joe Biden. That's a problem for Pete Buttigieg. That's a problem for Donald Trump. And I hope that you agree. We would love your thoughts on these and other matters. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We truly, truly appreciate the communication from the listeners. From you, our listeners. Whether it be... Praise, or just questions, or dissent. More than anything, we're okay with dissent. Because that's what a conversation is about. That's what moving the conversation forward is about. If you've been on the fence about supporting the show, or if this show has made you on the fence about supporting the show... (laughs) Follow your conscience. Yeah. But if you've been on the fence and this show has maybe pushed you over the edge or the top of the fence, (laughs) we would invite you to join the Patreon family by going to dollamore.com slash Patreon and choosing your tier and becoming a supporter of the show. We also want you to think about if you miss us when we haven't put up a show for a while or... If we make you laugh out loud because something that I said was hilarious and my highbrow comedy was like right up your alley, (laughs) um, then those are things that we would ask you to consider as well, because that's what keeps the show going. Well, that is also value. If you get value from the show, I would say that's some value. Absolutely. But I also want to say that we recently caught up on all of the stickers for Patreon supporters and for YouTube members. So give it a few days, like give it a week. And if you don't receive stickers and you were supposed to have received them, reach out to us and let us know. Also, we want to explain uh, the recording this week. So this episode that you're listening to right now does not count as this week's episode. There's still going to be two more episodes this week. So just so you know, we're probably going to be recording like Tuesday, Thursday type situation. Well, we're still dialing it in. Brittany's last day of her her old job was on the the Thursday. So please, everybody, give Brittany a little congratulations. New job. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, started and, uh, a new job. We're gonna we're gonna level in on a on a on a, a nice, secure, normal schedule. We hope. Yeah, because my commute time has reduced substantially. We do, after all, live in Los Angeles and the Californians. Yes, <laughs> and that's gonna make life much easier. All right. Yeah, we love you guys. We appreciate you, and we will see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page. I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt.